Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Rage. Presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Murray's gonna score! Touchdown! Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Right on the price. Right on the corner of the Santan 202 Freeway in Val Vista. SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury. All right, Red Sea, here we go. Let them hear you in Chicago. Even though half of Chicago is already here for the winter, we know that. <laughs> I don't know if the Bears are aware, though, Wolf, that the Cardinals on Christmas Eve have won four of their last five in games played on Christmas Eve. Do you know why, Ron Wolfley, no, I do is? not, Paulie, but I'm sure you're going to tell us. We surmise it's because the Cardinals have the inherent competitive advantage of rocking the same team colors as Santa Claus. Who's with me on that one? <laughs> Come on. Uh, not, apparently not a lot of people, Paulie. Wow. Okay. Not I mean, believing what you're selling. A little too much eggnog out there here at Trophy and Chandler, located on Queen Creek Road between Price and Dobson. Next question then, Ron Wolfley. Here we are in the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Where would the Arizona Cardinals be this season without the rookie class? Oh, that is it. No, you know what, Paulie? That is a great observation right there. The Monty Ford rookie class um, has really contributed an awful lot to this team and where this team may be headed. I cannot wait to see what he might do in 2024 as well. And the guy who put 49 into 49ers joins us here tonight, a big part of this rookie class here on the Big Red Rage. Let's hear it for Amari DiMercato, everyone. Amari out of the backfield. He's on set here at Trophy on the Big Red Rage. Amari, how are we do? I mean, shirt sleeve weather out here tonight. How about this? I mean, you can't complain about the weather at least, right? Yeah, it's definitely uh, better than when I first got out here. It was uh, rough those first few months. But, yeah, just adjusting to everything, uh, it's been real fun. I like it. So, Amari, thinking of a rookie class, um, how do you feel like you're doing this year? Uh, I think I'm doing pretty good. You know, just – trying to find my role and excel in that. And um, I think I found it on third down and just, you know, trying to make plays wherever I get a chance. I mean, Wolf, you used to block for a living, right? Oh, yeah. More than once, Jonathan Gannon said that's how he got his initial spot on the roster. True or false, Amari? Yeah, that's what uh, just passed, bro. Like, I had to do it in college, so I was already familiar with it and willing to do it. So I think that's the biggest thing, like being willing to go up there and make a block that not everybody wants to make. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's get into the technique of that, Amari. First of all, it takes a mindset yeah. to enjoy blitz pickup, right? Yeah. <laughs> it takes a mindset to actually enjoy it. It's one of the more physical plays. You got a guy, basically, who's getting a run at you for the most part. You don't get a run at him yeah. always. Sometimes you do from time to time. But for the most part, they're getting a run at you. What kind of mindset does that take? And what kind of technique does that take to block and do it well? 
uh, for me, it's really just, you know, having that, like I said, that willingness and wanting to protect the quarterback. Like, I think that's a, a big thing. Uh, you know, it might not be directly, you know, shined on, but if you make a block, you can open up a key play. Like, that extra second might be what Kyler needs for that throw. So just, you know, being able to provide that for the team, I, I like doing that. Okay, so my running back coach used to tell me all the time, listen, don't, don't fire out. Yeah. Don't block out. Fire up. Yeah. Is that what the, they're still teaching you yeah, how to do um, that? So I've had a few experiences in college where you lunge out and then they just get you in that <laughs> swim with you. So I've learned the hard way a few times. But, yeah, just learning and being able to, you know, keep working on my craft and be more patient has definitely helped. It's funny how when you have a franchise quarterback who's on a $200-plus million contract that all of a sudden protecting that quarterback <laughs> is of kind up, of important right kind now, of right, a, my, you can make You can earn a spot on a roster initially just that role alone because Drew Petzing does have a third-down running back role. Yeah. I, I mean, I've noticed that, right? doesn't matter. I mean, it can be different guys at different times, but there always seems to be a third-down back. What, yeah. what is that role? How would you describe that? Uh, just pass blocking and then um, – also catching out the backfield, you know, and then every now and then I'll get a run. But, you know, just being able to be available to whatever blocking, catching, running, like just I want to be as well-rounded as I can. Speaking of being well-rounded, Amari, where do you think you need to get better? And what do you think you're doing really, really well at the pro level right now? Get better? Uh, really everything. Like I just want to elevate my game at every level. Um, I guess just getting more into playbook and really understanding like every – you know, the scheme with everything. As a rookie, you're kind of just thrown in. Like, right. you don't right. really have time to really deep dive and everything. So just, like, I think that's what's helped me with the pass game. Like, just understanding, you know, route combinations. And even if I might not, I might forget a play, but I understand what the route combo is. So I know if I can't run this, I have to run this. So just being more familiar with everything. How much more difficult is it at the NFL level than it was at TCU playing for Sonny yeah, Dykes? How much more involved? Definitely more complex, uh, more of a mental stressor. Like, you just, you have to be in, like, it's not, in college, you know, you get one word, and that's the whole play. But now it's a whole sentence for a whole play. It's like learning a different language, yeah, isn't exactly. it? exactly. It's funny, we had Garrett Williams up here last month, right? Cardinals rookie, safety, and nickelback. And he said he has a hard time watching college football already because yeah. it's so simplistic. <laughs> Have you had the same reaction? Yeah, it's just way different. Like, you look back and you're like, oh, my God, like, I would be amazing out here now. But it's just, like, the difference from the college to the NFL level. Like, it's, it's really just a mental game. Like, you have to really elevate. You know, it's really interesting to me because every third down back, Amari, has also got to be really, really smart. You have to be smart yeah. because you have to be able to read what kind of blitz, what kind of pressure may be coming your way, what kind of protection you're in. Yeah. And what a lot of people don't understand is if that front changes, yeah. now all of a sudden your assignment yeah. might change yeah. based on that front changing. And, I mean, it's really a difficult proposition, but it sounds like to me you enjoy that part of the yeah. game. Yeah, I think for me, uh, just growing up, like, I've always been a problem solver. So it's kind of that for me. Like, just, like you said, moving pieces and understanding how I fit in and be able to solve that problem. That is a great analogy right there, Paulie. A problem solver as you're third down back because so much of the time, that's where these pressure packages and these blitz packages, complex, come on third down. You, you better have a back that is smart and can pick that up. 
Well, you do realize that our guest tonight ha already has his master's in business analytics. Uh, um, no, Paul, I did not know well, that, but I am impressed. Okay, we'll get into that a little bit later. But it makes sense that you're a problem solver, right? And the X's and O's, and, you know, you're intrigued by that, and you excel at that. But have you had that rookie moment you're like, oh, my goodness, okay, I'm trying to block a T&E stunt here from Nick Bosa or Miles <laughs> Garrett or Aaron Donald? Have you had that moment? Um, I've had a few moments like that, like seeing players, like just how big they are, like Bosa, even Aaron Donald, like he's not the biggest guy, but seeing how explosive he is, it's like, wow. But then Miles Garrett, I wasn't playing that game, but just seeing him off the sideline, I'm like, this dude is huge. But just, um, and Montez Sweat, yeah, six foot yeah. six plus, yeah. Jason Young, all of them. Yes. Fred Warner's a big dude, too, yeah, all of them. It's just, uh, it's really like an honor, you know, to be out there with all these greats, um, and just being able to compete at the same level as them. So, just, yeah, every, I think I try not to take any moment for granted, like just appreciating it all. How is your relationship with Sonny Dykes? How, I, you know, because sometimes <laughs> you have this frisky coach-player relationship where it's not always the most copacetic thing on the face of the planet. So what uh, kind of relationship do you have or did you have with Sonny Dykes? Uh, me and Coach Dykes are real cool. That whole staff, I love them. Like just for the opportunity that they gave me, uh, I was honestly thinking about transferring when they came in. And they told me, you know, stay for the spring and see how it all works out. And I don't know what would happen if I left. So I'm so thankful for them. I mean, made a run to the national championship yeah. game last year, played in your own hometown. Once again, we'll get into that in a, in a little bit. It was pretty dang remarkable, no doubt about it. You know what else is remarkable? The state of the Cardinals run game right now. I mean, look at some of the stats. Wolf, they're number seven in the NFL in running the football, 132 yards per game. Number two in yards per carry. Can I call 4.95 yards per carry, five yards a carry? Can I yes, do that? Yes, you can. Okay. <laughs> and, and in terms of explosive runs, the Arizona Cardinals are number two in the NFL in 20-plus yard runs. You tell us, what's the key been to this an effective run game, no matter who's running the ball, all season long, basically, Amari? Yeah, I think up front we just we have the scheme down, and I think we've gotten really good at it throughout camp and throughout the season. So just being able to you know, lean on that and – I think we just go out there and do what we do. Like, no matter what defense we play, like last week the 49ers were a really good defense. This week we play another really good defense. So just going out there and do what we do, no matter who it is. You know, there's a lot of running backs in the National Football League who enjoy a zone scheme, and there's a lot that enjoy power schemes. How about you? Do you, do you have a preference as to what you like doing? I, uh, listen, I know all running backs yeah. just want to get the ball. Yeah. <laughs> just give me the ball. But if you had a preference, power scheme or zone scheme? I would probably say zone just because that ability to, uh, you know, be patient. Um, in college, I ran inside zone all the time. So I already have that familiarity with just trying to set up blocks and all that kind of stuff. But the tackle zone, the, the stretch play, yeah. that's a big play i like i like uh outside zone stretch just being able to you know like play the piano they call it like just cut 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 and then get upfield in your vision too has got to be really yeah. really good for that right for sure. and that's one of your strengths yeah. i think yeah just uh the biggest thing with that is your your keys like if you're not looking in the right place then it'll throw off the whole play all right we'll come back we'll get into the whole tcu thing Wolf will probably ask you a question about Jim Harbaugh and Michigan cheating. <laughs> so we, <laughs> it's a joke. Uh, we'll get into all that, what you did in the Fiesta Bowl here in town, how you end up making this team, what you've learned from James Conner, uh, what James Conner told us earlier today to ask you about a certain nickname I guess they bestowed upon you. 
other duties in the rookie uh, the rookie duties in the running back room when it comes to holiday decorating. Okay, we got a lot to get into here with Amari DiMercato. Hey, a reminder, you can watch Cardinals game plan Friday, 6.30, 12 news, exclusive conversations with the head coach, Jonathan Gannon, and more. We are live from Trophy and Chandler on Queen Creek Road between Price and Dobson. The Big Red Rage with Amari DiMercato. DiMercato running left. Breaks a tackle to the 10. He's to the 5, heading to the end zone, and he hit the pylon. It's a touchdown. First NFL score for Di Mercado. Here's Amari Di Mercado not only making guys miss, but breaking through that initial first contact and then pushing the pile of tacklers over the pylon for the score. Running to the left is Di Mercado. When he breaks a tackle, it is gone. Somehow, he didn't get brought down at the line of scrimmage. The 49ers looked like they stopped, and all of a sudden, Di Mercado reappeared and outran everybody else. It's a touchdown for Di Mercado. Amari Di Mercado comes out of that and scores the touchdown, man. You love to see that, that fight to the end, man. There you go. That's what we were talking about, putting the 49 into 49ers. The 49-yard touchdown run by our guest tonight, Amari Di Mercado, here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, live from Trophy in Chandler. All right, so let's you give us your play-by-play, -play, okay? We're Dave Pash and Ron Wolfley right there. Uh, you take us through that play. What it was first and ten, uh, right at midfield, and then boom! What happened from there? Uh, basically, Kyler checked to a run, and then um, yeah. So I felt uh, was it Randall, Randy Gregory? Yep. Chasing me down, so I'm just like trying to get away from him, and I bumped in the wheel, and then I don't know. Like Fred Warner tried to tackle me and yelled to hit him off of me, and I'm like, I'm still up, and then there's nobody in front of me, so I just took off. <laughs> So wait a minute, when you bumped into Will, yeah. Will Hernandez? Yeah. <laughs> okay, now wait a minute now. Nobody just bumps into Will Hernandez. Okay, this guy, what is it, 350? I don't know, Paulie. I'm just saying, uh, he's I, I'd he's say so. There. During the holiday season, definitely 350. <laughs> so how did you bump into Will Hernandez and not hit the turf? I think it was just my momentum. <laughs> like, I bumped him and then went to the left a little bit, and then, I don't know. It just, I can't explain how it all happened. I'm See, maybe the defense thought, well, when you bump into 76, you fall down. So maybe they just presumed as much, or they couldn't see around Will to see that you were still on your feet. <laughs> maybe that was it, too. I don't know. And that was actually a power scheme play, was it not? Will Hernandez was out in front of you, wasn't he? Uh, it was just like inside zone. Okay, it was yeah. an inside zone yeah. then. There yeah. you go. Nice. He was reading the DN, and then he just chased super hard. And then when you're free and all you have is green between you and the end zone, what are you thinking at that point? Don't get hawked? Yeah. Like, is, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it like the Fiesta Bowl. I said, I can't. I looked up at the screen. I was like, it's not happening again. <laughs> so that is real. You do use the Jumbotron yeah. to your advantage. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Well, here's your offensive coordinator, uh, Drew Petzing, when he was asked about your touchdown run against the Niners. You kind of see him going to the pile, and all of a sudden you kind of hear the crowd, and you're like, you know, I kind of looked up and was like, oh, he's gone. Like, it's over. Like, I don't even have to call another play. So, and then as you saw it on tape, I mean, he did a great job. And the guys in front of him, just the effort to maintain blocks. You know, anytime you hit a run like that, somebody out on the perimeter is engaged with their guy down the field. So coming into the game, the Niners, the vaunted Niners defense was number one, number one against the run. You guys ran for 234 yards, nearly eight yards a carry. What was clicking? Because I know against Pittsburgh, Jonathan Gannon told us on his TV show, he said, you know what? I talked to Drew Petzing, and we said, hey, don't be afraid to repeat plays. And so like the Rams ran a lot of duo against the Cardinals defense. Yeah. 
Did, did you guys, I don't know, have, have a theme of plays or a small handful of plays that you just kept repeating time after time? Uh, yeah, I think it was like a large menu, but we have those plays, like you said, that it's kind of like their bread and butter that you can just always fall back on. So I think, like I said earlier, uh, we just decided to lean on, you know, what we're really good at. Like James had a big run. Mike had a big run. I had a big run. So just being able to, you know, at any time use our strength. I think that's really, really important, too, going forward, especially in this game coming up. And we're going to get into the Chicago Bears, and we will. But anytime you're able to run the ball and put a quarterback in a balanced offense, it really gives you a much better chance of winning that game, doesn't it? Definitely. Uh, I think it's a matter of being able to impose your will. Impose your will. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing right there. You can demoralize yeah. a defense. I talk about it all the time. If an offense, Paulie, can just line up, of course, and run the ball, especially if it's in a north-south kind of way, man, you can demoralize not only the defense that is out there, but you can demoralize the entire team that is watching. You, one of the worst things in the game of football is you line up and you cannot stop your opponent from running the ball down your throat. It really is a bad, bad situation. Well, think of what Will Hernandez told us last week right here at Trophy and Chandler. He said that fourth quarter, especially against Pittsburgh, yeah. Steelers are like, you know what? It's a two-score game. It's it's cold and wet out here, and they're running a bunch of running backs at us who uh, aren't exactly or are fighting for every yard. Maybe we're not as interested in playing defense <laughs> as we were in the first half. Yeah. So it is possible to wear down a defense. And, you know, we talked earlier about your pass protection skills. Before we get into what got you to that point, here's your head coach. And, and I'm guessing we can sort of ascertain a, a big reason why you made this team in the first place. Here's Jonathan Gannon. He's been fantastic. I mean, that's one of the reasons he's in on third down. His protection is huge on third down. That was part of his role, why he made the team in the first place, is because of his value on third down. You know, he steps up in A-gaps and blocks linebackers and safeties blitz in, and then when we ask him to chip and chunk, he does a good job. Okay, football 101. What's the difference between chip and chunk. <laughs> so a chip for us is just one person chipping and chunk would be two people. So me and the tight end both chipping. Gotcha. <laughs> both gotcha. chipping on the same guy? No, different sides. Different yeah. sides. Ah, I got gotcha. you right okay. there. Okay. Chunk on two different sides. Yeah. That makes sense right there. Chip and chunk, Polly. So tell us, I mean, as an undrafted rookie free agent to come in, to have the sort of impact you do, like – Here's the stat. You have 274 rushing yards on the season. That's the most in Cardinals franchise history by an undrafted rookie. Think about that. Wow. That's 100 years of football, basically, what you've done. When you, when you didn't get drafted, what was your mindset, and how quickly did the Cardinals contact you? And I don't know, how seriously did you consider other options before you decided on the Cardinals? Um, let me think. I talked to the Cardinals before the draft, and then uh, – Afterwards, it was just a matter of, you know, figuring out what was the best spot for me, like where I had the best opportunities. And we felt like it was here and came here, and then it all worked out for me. So, Amari, um, let me ask you this. Where did you grow up? And um, talk a little bit about what it was like to grow up there. Uh, I saw I grew up in Inglewood, California. Um, growing up there, you know, it's kind of – I didn't have, you know, the roughest, you know, childhood, but we – we weren't well off, but we weren't necessarily bad. Yeah. yeah. So just yeah. Um, trying to, you know, maintain. Like, my mom worked really hard. Uh, she had breast cancer when I was six, I believe. So just seeing her, you know, fight through that, still go to work uh, while she's getting chemo, all that kind of stuff, that kind of instilled that 
you know, that work ethic in me. Like, it was just a matter of always wanting to pay her back and, you know, thank her for all the stuff that she's done for me. So now I'm at a point where I can help her. So I'm trying to help her. Obviously, you know, I need to sustain a little more, but helping out wherever I can. And um, just how much of that motivation drives you right now in uh, what you're doing? Yeah, it still drives me. I just... Like I said, seeing her do all that, like, it's the least I can do. You know, I, I've lived a blessed life, and I know that she's had to work hard. So why wouldn't I put my best foot forward in everything I do? How much of your commitment to academics? I mean, we mentioned you already have your master's in business analytics, your bachelor's in economics. You were a three-time first-team all-academic Big 12. How much of that comes from your mom? That, that was a big thing. So, like, it was, you know, a matter of either you're getting a scholarship or, you know, I can't afford college. So... School was always a big thing, you know, always having the good grades. You know, if I came home with a B, it wasn't good enough. If it was any worse than that, then it was bad. But, um, yeah, just always setting the bar really high for me and my brother. And um, I think that's paid off a lot for me, like just never wanting to be average. So is it just you and your brother? Do you come from a big family? No, so it? it's me, my brother. My brother's 10 years older than me, and then my sister is 17 years older than me. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, I'm the so you're the baby, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you went to Downey High School, uh, which is notable f among other things for a certain alum. Wolf, have you ever heard of the uh, lead singer and guitarist? So what's the band? Metallica. Metallica. James Hetfield. <laughs> yes, I have. Have you, Amari? I actually, so we have a guy at TCU, Mark Cohen. He knows like all these interesting facts. So he's the one who told me about that. I had no idea before that. You had no idea, really? No idea. <laughs> There's no trace of Hetfield anywhere in the high school or anything like that. Not you know, that I've seen. <laughs> he, he, didn't, he didn't donate a music room or anything like that? No. Okay. So, Amari, when you were growing up, um, what sports did you play? Was it just football? So, growing up, initially, uh, football, basketball, like in middle school, and I ran track. And then when I got to high school, so I transferred to Downey. So, I went to Carson High first, and I was running track. I think I did, like, one track meet, and then I transferred. So I just never got back in the track. But, uh, yeah, uh, once I transferred to Downey, it was just kind of history from there. Like, that's where it took off. Mm. And then you did a year in J.C. at Saddleback? Yep. By the way, uh, notable alum from Saddleback, Wolf, your guy, Mark Grace. How about that? I know. How about that? Gracie. Yeah. I mean, Gracie, if you're out there, wh why isn't Gracie here having a beer? I mean, normally he would be. I mean, you know, Gracie's that kind <laughs> of guy. And a burger, of course. Yeah, exactly. Come on down. And, uh, and, and so, okay, then you end up at TCU. And tell us about the big semifinal playoff game against yeah. Michigan where you had 150 yards rushing. Just tell us about that whole experience in the game itself, especially for those who aren't familiar. Yeah, so going to the playoffs was huge for us, you know, just starting unranked to ending up in the playoffs. Uh, and in Michigan, they just kind of they kind of disrespected us with the media, you know. Uh, oh, what conference are they in again? What defense do they play? So we had that extra field behind it, you know. And it's just to go out there and be able to – put on the performance we put on like it'll never be forgotten in tcu history what did you learn from that if anything uh, i think just not to lay down you know like people can say whatever they want but at the end of the day you are who you are and you got to go out there and show it that's one of the great things about it right it doesn't matter yeah it was one of the things i loved growing up because my dad was a, a truck driver nothing wrong with yeah. that but you know we were poor and I just love the fact that we could step in between those white lines and it didn't matter what your dad did. Yeah. It didn't matter. It wasn't going to help you, right, Amari? It was not going to help you yeah. inside those white lines, and I love that at an early age. And then, of course, you played the national championship game. Didn't go your way, but, I mean, the fact it's at SoFi Stadium, yeah. five minutes from where you grew up, 
I mean, what a remarkable sequence of events last year. The legend of the NFL, and then an outstanding rookie season. Hey, speaking of, how about next season? The 2024 opponents for the Cardinals include the Bears, the Pats, the Jets, the Lions, all the NFC West opponents. So join the season ticket priority list today at azcardinals.com slash priority list. All right, we'll come back. We'll get more into this Cardinals offense. It is the Big Red Rage with rookie running back Omari DiMercato, live from Trophy and brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. It's play action, a boot to the left, a short throw to the left, and a nice catch by Trey McBride past the 35, knocked out of bounds at the 40. McBride, with that catch, sets the Cardinals' single-season record for most receptions by a tight end. His second NFL season has been phenomenal, and it continues. No doubt since week eight, Trey McBride, number one in the NFL among tight ends in catches, number two in receiving yards. Wow. Think about what he is doing and just the impact he has had in year number two. It's the Big Red Rage with Amari DiMercato, rookie running back here live from Trophy and Chandler. And uh, Amari Wolf has resisted my nickname for Trey McBride. He won't use it on his show or in the play-by-play -play because, uh, I mean, Calvisi Consulting here, the Pauly Pigskin Division, we bestowed upon Trey, Trey McPlay. What do you think about that that nickname? Not so much? <laughs> maybe it'll grow, like, maybe it'll like grow on you a little bit. Personally, I call him Big Play. Big Play Trey. Big Play big Trey. Play. Well, big well, Play Trey. All that work I put I, into it, it's usurped <laughs> just instantly like big that. Big Play Trey. I like that wow. as a matter of fact. Tough being me Before we get okay. into it here momentarily, though, I wanted to ask you this, because um, the last beautiful part of the program, we were talking about you and what it was like to be Amari DiMercato growing up, of course. Um, what are your hobbies? Do you have any hobbies whatsoever? Uh, and if so, what are they? Uh, so I really like cars. Cars are a thing. I grew up watching my brother. Uh, he's a mechanic. Um Cars, I like video games, movies. Um, I just had a son, so that's a new oh, hobby. There you go, Hanging right? Out with my son. Uh, and just learning to be a father, you know, it's different. But um, I really like spending time with close people to me, like my close friends and my family. That's very cool. But when you say cars, like, what are you talking about? Classic cars or I, I, new cars? I can appreciate some classics, but I think I'm more of a new car kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> what is a classic car to you? It's not See, a 67 yeah. Mustang. Well, it's, it's funny, Wolf, because I, I walked over and I, I dared to venture over where the running backs <laughs> hang out in the locker room. It's a little intimidating. All right, Paulie Pencilneck, I'm over there. And I asked James Conner, you know, what I need to know about Amari, okay? Got a couple of things. And then a few of the other guys, Corey Clement, and, and they all weighed in and said, ask about his new nickname, E. Lambo. <laughs> <laughs> when I hear Lambo, I think of exotic sports car. Is there is there a link there, a cause and effect with that nickname? Yeah, I just got a new little sports car, so they, they gave me that nickname. I think a Lambo field, of course, when you say that, <laughs> right, Paulie, of right. course. So that's the difference in us over there. By the way, um, rookie duties, a lot of the rookies have had to decorate their position room uh, for the holidays. What about you? Yeah, so I had to. Tony and Corey were on a big, like, oh, we need a tree, we need a tree. So I just finally gave in and got the tree. And then uh, – Got some. It's a tree with lights, and I bought like little ornaments. They they weren't too happy. They said they said it was a poor effort. So. Wow, that's tough. <laughs> I mean, th these vets are demanding. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Buda Baker and Antonio Hamilton. They tasked the three rookies in there with getting a tree. Uh, they demanded it's a real tree, yeah. none of this yeah. plastic <laughs> stuff. 
And then when they, they put it up the next morning at 6 a.m., and then they said, ah, the tree has no spirit. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's tough. It's and, pretty demanding. And they said it was leaning, too. It is leaning. It's like leaning on the wall. <laughs> so have you had you had to bring any breakfast at all? Did they uh, tell you you've got to do breakfast. that? Or? So I just buy, like, snacks. And then they're, they're really big on that Mountain Valley, uh, the is it spring water. So I have to buy that. It's like in the green glasses. I never heard of it until I got here, but everybody around the facility loves it. Now wow. I just buy, like, snacks. So what is it, a guy like an energy drink or something it's, like that? I guess it has, like, vitamins and minerals, like it has potassium, all kind of stuff. So it's good for you. They, they said it was going to change my life, but it, it just. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Will Hernandez telling us about the fines of Paris Johnson Jr. You know, I, I could see, you know, once upon a time, D.J. Humphreys was that guy. He was the only rookie as a first-round pick. But here's Hump this week just on what's been working in the run game. From the O-line room and the running back room and the tight end room, we're all kind of syncing together. We're kind of gelling together. Everybody's talking. Everybody's communicating. We have a good understanding between the O-line and the tight ends, how we want to block looks. And we have a good understanding from the running back where they're trying to get with those looks. And it's getting married. So just kind of, like I said, we're just trying to expand on it these last three weeks and kind of get it rolling into the, into the offseason and make sure that's a part of our, our identity. You know, Paris told us last week, he looked at his film from week four against the 49ers, like, oh, my goodness, I'm so much better. Yeah. I've gotten so much in so many different areas. You know, how about you? Do you, do you watch your film, and, and how much better are you earlier? How much better is the run game just in sync than it was maybe in September? Yeah, like Hump said, uh, it actually, I can't remember what game it was before, but it was kind of like a group of us, uh, Hump, Paris, uh, Jeff Swain, me, and we were just kind of talking about the run game and, like, you know, uh, Jeff has come from a different place. This scheme has come from a different place. So it's just we were talking about all of it, and I think that's helped, like, everybody understanding, you know, their mind, our perspectives on it. And then um, for me, what else you asked? Uh, just about your own film. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just being able to play faster, like um, getting in and out of my reads uh, in the past game, you know, if I'm – checking for a blitz being able to get out faster before i was staying there extra long just to be like super sure like nobody's coming but now you know i can be certain uh, just from watching film and knowing what their tendencies are so being able to get in and out of that quicker and then um just uh run game just being more comfortable you know uh starting off you're kind of tense you know you want to you want to hurry up and get as many yards as uh, possible but just understanding you know there's some blocks you have to set up and now just understanding how to do that like i had the ability to start a few games, so I got to really get a lot of experience in that. So what would you rather do, come out of the backfield and catch a ball or actually run the ball, get the opportunity to run the ball as opposed to coming out of the backfield? I definitely like running the ball, but catching the ball at the backfield is fun too. Like being able to get one-on-one with a linebacker is, is something fun about that because what our mindset is like, you can't guard me. So. So how many choice routes do you actually get to run where you're one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker and you could go in yeah. or out? There's a few plays we have like that, but uh, usually the ball is out. So hopefully I get one soon. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and when you look at the ability of these running backs to be interchangeable, I mean, right, a Michael Carter yeah. comes in. And, I mean, I don't know it's fresh legs or what, but, I mean, uh, he's looked good. How much of that just – has to do with the O-line. Just tell us about the O-line and the progress that they've made, especially now that they have sort of a consistent five or six. Yeah, um, I think like we said, uh, we've gotten better and better as the season's gone, but I think really from, you know, first, second game, like we could tell that this was going to be a strength of the team running the ball. And uh, just being able, like the Hump said, just gelling and keep getting better, and I think everybody's confident in what we do, and they know like 
no matter who we play out there, like we're going to be able to run the ball. Is there anything your rookie year that has surprised you about the National Football League? Is there anything you really didn't know um, or experience and to what degree? You know, is there anything that – what's been the most difficult thing? Most difficult is definitely like the the mental uh, – I don't know what the word I'm looking for. Just like the I maybe the volume, the volume of stuff you guys mean. I mean definitely, yeah. Just like all the meetings, and it's just more of a mental task. You know, you have to be able to comprehend so much more and then retain so much more. So just you know, getting into the groove of that, and then the season is what five weeks longer. So it's just yeah. a lot of yeah. you know adjusting, but. You know, I think we've all, as a rookie class, I think we've done pretty well adjusting to it. So how much prep time do you put into it during the week? Yeah, so for me personally, I show up to the facilities at like 6.30. Um, since I've been hurt recently, I'll get treatment, but I'll go in and go over the script and just go through like all the past pictures and uh, runs and all that. So just being that extra attention. So by the time we get to meetings, that's the second time I've seen it already. So just being familiar with stuff already. And then, you know, as far as, you know, just – being reliable, like, I think that helps me to know, like I was saying earlier, um, just understanding route combinations and certain stuff. Like, sometimes you have a little brain fart, like, oh, what do I have here? And it's like, well, this is the route. So you can't run that. You have to run something like this. And, again, if you're a rookie, then there's all the extra duties, yeah. like decorating the room. <laughs> all right? Uh, I, I hinted at it earlier. Here, here's the actual clip, what Will Hernandez told us last week here on the Big Red Rage about Paris Johnson Jr. and his tree violations. Paris just got fined this past week also because we asked him to put up the tree and he was a couple days late with it. So he got fined <laughs> per day. And then finally when he had the tree up with the lights and everything, he there was no topper. No topper. No topper There's on no the tree. Like star. There's no star. There's no angel. Nothing. He didn't he didn't put anything up up on there. Paris, so you how do you have a tree without a topper? That's exactly that, what you, we all you've said. You've got to be. So how much yeah. did you hit him for? Can I ask you? Yeah, so something like that would be around 50 bucks. <laughs> Wolf just went right in. He just he wants to know monetary figures. Wolf didn't hesitate with that. Uh, I'm not going to ask you how much, but how many fines have you incurred as a rookie? Just, you know, I don't know. Is, is James Conner judge and jury? How's it working uh, there? We actually don't have a fine system in the running back room. Mm. So. You do, so you have not been fined <laughs> at all? They wow. So with the waters, I, I, was, I was taking too long to buy it. James was like, all right. You're going to get fined. <laughs> so I, I nipped that in the butt when bought the waters after that. So. He, he did mention that earlier today, by the way. He did mention the waters yeah. at times, you know, have been, he's had to mention it to you. <laughs> uh, you know, a not-so-friendly reminder maybe here and there, you know, about the waters in there. But honestly, what have you learned watching James Conner? I he, mean, just the sort of back and yeah. the Pro Bowl performance he's put on this year. He's just uh, – he works, like, at everything he does if that's in – you know, in the meeting room, in the weight room, on the field, he works. And I think, you know, it shows on the field. Like, it, his hard work and dedication shows out there every week. And um, just his willingness to – he does it all, too. Like, he'll block. I think they try to blitz him because I'm the third down back, and he'll pick up the blitz anytime too. So, um, catching out the backfield, running the ball, he does it all. And I think just being able to understand the attention to detail. You know, he gives me a little uh, – it was like in practice one day, I ran a flat route and I ran – between the tackle and the DN. He was like, you can't do that because now they're going to come off of you because the DN's in front of you. So just giving me like little small tips like that and just being able to take stuff and watch him work and try to appreciate that and, you know, do it in my own way. I was just going to ask you that, Amari. How much does he actually mentor you and, yeah. and share his knowledge with you? Because he seems like that type yeah, of guy. For sure. So when I first got here, 
think it was like during OTAs, we went through like a week or two. And I just asked him, we talked for like 10, 15 minutes. And, you know, he just told me about like his time throughout the Steelers and then coming here and just, you know, how I've been doing and what I need to continue to work on. So he's also, he's been like that big brother for me. The fact that your mother went through cancer, right, when you were young and that he had to deal with it as yeah. a junior in college and he had 12 rounds of chemo and then came back and had that senior year and got drafted in the third round and look at his NFL career. Did, was that a little connection point between the two of you guys? And how much respect do you have just knowing what your mom went through and he had to deal with that? Yeah, uh, a huge amount of respect. You know, he could have easily given up, you know, um, and just been, you know, a victim to the cancer. But he he fought, and, like, now he keeps fighting and just, um, like I said, just a testament to how he works with everything. How, how badly do you think he wants 1,000 yards? Do you realize in his career he's gone to two Pro Bowls? He's never had a 1,000-yard rushing season. How badly do you think he wants it? He's just under 300 yards away with three games to go. I, I think he wants it real bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be big for him. It would be big. There's no doubt. Attention, Bears. Um, yeah, you're going to get an ultra-motivated <laughs> James Conner on Sunday. And the best part about it is, Paulie, he's coming back next year. Yeah. Hey, by the way, coming full circle, the Dave Pash podcast featuring Cardinals tight end Trey McBride, available now via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter, at PashPod. By the way, speaking of cars, a shout-out here. An absolute stalwart of this show for so many years, Bob Johnston, right? Santan Ford, he is recovering after major surgery. He's doing really well, but he missed his first show tonight for the first time in, like, forever. So Whoa. all our best wishes out to Bob as we continue, Amari DiMercato here on the Big Red Rage, brought to you by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Is it, in a way, a little more exciting, the challenge of a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields? No, it's not exciting. <laughs> you know, I'm a defensive back. I'm, I'll be in the back, you know, either in my man coverage or playing zone. And, you know, I'm kind of just looking at this guy scramble around. I, I don't like going against scrambling quarterbacks because, you know, it could be third down and 10. And we know it's a passing situation. And, you know, we're thinking the ball's going to come out and he'll scramble for, you know, 40, 50 yards. Buda Baker right there in the challenge of facing the multi-talented Justin Fields or Danny Sarek asking and uh, Buda pretty honest right there. He's also honest about the stomach ailment that he dealt with going into the game. Yes, it is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Rookie running back Imari DiMercato is our guest here at Trophy and Chandler located on Queen Creek Road between Price and Dobson. So we'll get to Buda and the Bears here in a minute. But Buda and what he had to overcome to get into the game and the stomach ailment. And he admitted that wearing all white gave him a certain level of fear uh, because uh, he didn't, <laughs> didn't have, he had a situation where, you know, you don't want to clean up on aisle five, Wolf, and you're wearing all white. And so, uh, you know, usually you put the fear, Buddha puts the fear into opponents, but this time he was uh, in fear <clears throat> of uh, making it through the game. But he did, thankfully. And it's a, you know, it's a great ending to the story. Yeah. Yeah, you know what's amazing about that, Paulie, is honestly, there are some hits that you'll take on a football field where you're hit so hard, every pore in your body opens and stuff comes out of it, Paul. Oh, I'm just okay. saying, so yeah. when you're wearing the all-white, sometimes yeah. you got to worry about that, Paul. Okay, so here's my segue. Hardest hit you've ever absorbed, Amari DiMarcato. <laughs> is there an instant answer? Do you, do you think of something instantly like, man, college pros, what was the hardest you've ever been hit? <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Pittsburgh. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. That, it was that just was the it. fact that I was 
defenseless. Like usually, if you can prepare for it, like it'll still hurt. But you, that's right. But it was just like, yeah. that's right. Yes, <laughs> and he, he so got fined was, for that. Yeah, he got fined a lot for that. That's right. Oh my goodness. Let me ask okay. you this right here, Amari. Who, who is the toughest guy you've gone up against so far right now? I know it's just your rookie year, and it, you're early in it. You're not even done with your first year, but toughest guy you've gone up against, maybe even in college. Mm. In college, I would say Jalen Petrie on the Texans. Is that right? Really good player okay. in college. Uh, but now I would say probably Fred Warner. Like it's just when you watch him on film and play, like he plays so fast. Like his play recognition and just so being good. able to be everywhere and always around the ball. Like it's it's amazing how good he is. I think he's a future Hall of Famer. Yeah, for sure. That's what I think he is, Fred Warner. Yeah, in the box, down the field in oh. coverage. I mean, he is a complete inside linebacker. There, there's no doubt about it. All right, so you have a Cardinals team here with three games to go, going into Chicago. Here's the quarterback, Kyler Murray, just sort of on the mindset and, and, and what you see in these games, right? The win at Pittsburgh, the fight against the 49ers. Here's Kyler. I don't see that in this team. Well, I know that's not this team. Offensively, I don't, I, we won't allow it. You know, defensively, I know those guys over there won't. The goal is to go one and zero each week. Obviously, you know, we've said it all along. You know, our record doesn't determine you know how we're going to play football or how we're going to prepare each week, uh, and that's the case. And I should have set that up by saying the question was, why isn't there any quit in this team? And he said, I'm not going to allow it. And and look, that comes a lot from the head coach, obviously, as well. And there's a lot of talk this year about the accountability, about the culture. How would you describe it? If a rookie walked in now and asked you just about Jonathan Gannon and the culture he set up, how would you describe it? Uh, I think he just expects greatness out of everyone. You know, like Kyler said, like, they won't allow it. Like, there is nobody in that building that wants to be mediocre, and I think that's the the culture that we're setting for this year and the future. Um, like he said, no matter what our record is, we're still going to go out there and try to win every week. Like, we could have easily thrown in the towel like Austin at the end of the year, but we still want to get better going into next year to set something up to be great. So just, you know, everybody's willingness to come in every day and work is, is something that's great to be around. So, Amari, when you're sitting around watching tape of the Chicago Bears right now and their defense, what do you see? Uh, they're definitely unique, and they show a lot of different looks, and we just have to be prepared for that. They fly around, and they make a lot of plays. Yeah, you know, they're two inside linebackers yeah. in particular, uh, TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. Yeah. Those two guys really seem like yeah. ballers yeah. when I watch them on tape. What do you think? Yeah, the same thing. Uh, Edmonds, he came over from Buffalo. He's a good player over there. So just they have a lot of good players around the whole defense, like Montez Sweat, like we were talking about earlier. And then I think what was it, in the last few weeks they have, like, was it? 10 picks or something in the last. Yeah, in fact, I was just looking at that. Since week 11, they have an NFL best 14 takeaways yeah. and an NFL high dozen interceptions yeah. over the last four games. Yeah. Think about this. They're dead last in the league in sacks per attempt, but number two in interception rate. Those two things typically <laughs> do not go together. But there is a before and after since Montez yeah. Sweat showed up. And it does show you, you bring in a premier dude off the edge, and it can tie an entire defense together. I mean, he's had it. No, you're right about that, Paulie. But even right now, with Montez Sweat, they're, they're dead still... last in the league in sacks per attempt. With Montez Sweat. 
well, and yet number two in interception rate. Well, I'll say this. Um, if you're down double digits in the fourth quarter to the Bears, uh, certainly don't give up because uh, they're known for blowing those leads. Let's put it that way. They just did it last week against Cleveland. Joe Flacco lit him up. 38-year-old Joe Flacco off his couch, hit him up for over 200 yards passing in that fourth quarter. By the way, the biggest meltdown story related to the Bears in recent history was 2006 Cardinals and Bears Monday Night Football meltdown. It was the Dennis Green rant, you know, the Bears are who we thought they were. Are you familiar with that rant at all, the all-time all right. video? Okay, I was just curious. Because I was about you gotta to watch it. Google it, Amari. I was about to tell you I was going to blame it on Wolf. It was really Wolf's fault because he jinxed the Edron James fumble and that resulted in the meltdown and then the all-time rant from the head coach. But that's neither here nor there because, uh, yeah, that's, that's beyond the uh, millennials at this point. So not to give away the game plan, but I would imagine there's going to be some chipping and some chunking in this game right here yeah. with Montez Sweat out For there, sure. right? Yeah, we definitely will respect his presence. Are you good at it? Because there are some running backs that aren't good at it. Yeah. There are some running backs that hit the guy too hard yeah. and knock him inside. I've actually, so early in the season, I think it was the first time we played the 49ers I did that. So just learning like that finesse with it, like just enough to put him back on the tackle. Right. <laughs> That's right, good, Amari. Well, uh, there's no snow in the forecast, knock on wood. So that's a positive. But it might be a lot like Pittsburgh with the, you know, the chill and the rain. You good with that? Yeah, I think that's great uh, running weather. <laughs> yes, it is. That's well said. How about it, everyone? Amari DiMercato, rookie running back, joining us here on the Big Red Rage. Absolutely outstanding. Once again, he's doing something an undrafted rookie running back has never done in Cardinals history. And we still have three games to go. Special thanks, as always, Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Walt Ellis, Lawrence Ellis, Ali Narini, Ron Wolfley, and Amari DiMercato. I'm Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert, live from Trophy in Chandler. You've been listening to the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Right on the price, right on the corner of the Santan 202 Freeway in Val Vista. The Rage is brought to you by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.